warm welcome to Iskand of Silicon Valley. If it's your first time here, please make yourself at home. If you need anything, uh, please let any of our monitors know. The monitors can, are in the very back. You see Radha Kripapu if you need any help or information to help you. We'll also soon have, a, in a few minutes, a table out in front uh, for information if you need any help. Also, Manjula Kanta in the front in the yellow, she can help you. Anybody who's new, you can approach her and ask her for anything you like. Thank you. ISKCON of Silicon Valley is part of ISKCON, which is the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. And it was founded by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who took the order of his guru in India and came to America. It was his first voyage here on a cargo ship. And alone he established himself in New York City and gradually through using very simple principles, that is uh, chanting publicly and also giving classes publicly that people could attend and listen to the Bhagavad Gita. He uh, got a following of very enthusiastic young people who then spread out throughout the world and took the initiative to help spread the Christian consciousness movement. Sort of come full circle. One of the second places in the world that he started a community for Krishna consciousness was in San Francisco. And here we are in Silicon Valley. We also have a community growing in San Francisco as well. And of course now, in those days, there were uh, very few people of Indian origin, except for the founder. In fact, he used to bemoan the fact that it was hard to get anybody from India to join the International Cyber Krishna Consciousness. And now it's kind of the opposite. <laughs> um, so Silicon Valley, we've been here since 1997. It's kind of Silicon Valley. And uh, in several locations, we've always credited people with being intelligent if they could actually find where we are. And uh, we've been in this location for about uh, seven and a half, eight years now. So welcome. Uh, those who have joined us online, thank you very much for your kind attention. We're going to have a, a kirtan. As I mentioned, our founder started the Krishna consciousness movement through a practice called Sankirtan. So kirtan means to make somebody famous, because the word kirti actually means fame. Or you could say to glorify someone, appreciate in words, in singing. And some, uh, the first part of the word samkirtan means together, to do it together. And so this is a, a process that was handed down to serious practitioners of bhakti around 500 years ago by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He is mentioned in the Srimad Bhagavatam and in other Vedic literatures as being the most recent avatar of Krishna in the world. And unlike many avatars of Krishna or Krishna himself, 
he came in a covered form, and that is, how was he covered? He came as, as his own devotee to teach the process of devotional service just as much as when a child learns to write, the teacher or parent might take the child's hand and on the blackboard with a piece of chalk guide the child's hand and write A, B, C. Uh, one shouldn't think that the teacher is learning ABCs, rather it's teaching the student. So we call this the Acharya Lila. That means it's Krishna's way of teaching everybody in the world how to enact the teachings of the Bhagavad Gita. For instance, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Manmana Pavamad Bhakto Madhyaji Mam Namaskuru. He said, think of me always. Become my devotee. Worship me. Offer your obeisances unto me. So how does one practically do all those things? What is the form of worship? How does one think of Krishna? Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, 500 years ago, Krishna himself appearing as a devotee of himself, taught the process of devotional service. That time, Sankirtan wasn't known well or popular. And in a place in Bengal called Navadweep, at the home of one of his followers named Srivas Thakur, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu started a private kirtan. They kept the doors closed at Srivas Pandit's house. Only the most qualified qualified by their sincere devotion, could come in and practice the Samkirtan together. When did they do it? At night. Of course, they do it all night, and then the next day, they'd go to work. So for a whole year, they performed Samkirtan. And after a year, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu asked everyone, please go out and do it publicly on the street corners and throughout the towns so everyone can hear it. And what do you think happened then? Well, I can tell you in the long, rich history of the Krishna consciousness movement, of which I've been uh, privy to for around coming on 50 years, something that happens in a lot of places when we go out to chant or even stay in to chant is somebody called the police. <laughs> in fact, I was in Tokyo a couple of years ago as uh, the home of some uh, wealthy diamond merchants who wanted to have kirtan in their house. And people got really excited there and were chanting really loudly. And uh, the police came. And uh, I said, well, now you're an official Hare Krishna center. The police threatened that you shouldn't have kirtan, it's not authorized. It was actually the local Hindus who called the police as they'd never heard of such a thing before. And the police came and said, no more of these drums like this. This is why we still have use these drums as a form of protest against the police back then. Not now, we love the police, uh, in case anybody's watching. Um, <coughs> But they broke these drums. They're made of clay. And uh, when a cow departs naturally, then they take the leather and they make this uh, drum called a coal. So that was the 
instrument of choice back then. We've just carried on the tradition using these uh, traditional instruments for the Samkirtan. Although you can use any instrument you wish. And after they broke the drums, they went back to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That is, after the police broke the, the devotees' drums, told them you can't do it anymore, they all went back and reported it to their leader, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he said, uh, keep going out. And then he organized, did Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, a civil disobedience movement that involved tens of thousands and then hundreds of thousands of people who marched, playing the drums, singing Sankirtan, and they went to the house of the governor. And there was a historic meeting between Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the governor, and they talked, ab talked about philosophy. And the, the result of that meeting was that the governor said, from this day forward, everyone who wants to can have Sankirtan in my town. No one will stop them. And that edict has held to this very day in the district of Nadia. Anyone's free to have Sankirtan. Of course, here in America, we're lucky because we have a very liberal uh, laws, this being kind of a revolutionary uh, country, we broke away from the British crown a couple hundred years ago and gave everyone, supposedly, the right for religious freedom. And therefore, there are many liberties here that you don't get in every country. For instance, you can't take one of these and a party of singers downtown Kuwait and chant, or in Saudi Arabia. China. No, you can't do this in China publicly. Uh, there, are, there are restrictions in many other places. Even in other uh, so-called liberal places, uh, they come and move you along. America, you can get moved along, but it's, it's pretty easy to establish that this is a religious process and that everyone should be able to do it. So we should consider ourselves fortunate, all of us, that we're here in America, where we have freedom. Prabhupada, our founder, mentioned it many times that they didn't try to restrict him here, even though he had a, a, a new movement, although we were harassed from time to time, as is the custom when you start Hare Krishna chanting, to be harassed. But um, all in all, it's been very successful here in America, that is in uh, being able to practice this uh, form of uh, sp spirituality that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu started many years ago. So the way it works, according to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, quoting from the Vedic Shastras, is that uh, Krishna and Krishna's name are the same. Where is that stated? In Srimad Bhagavatam. For starters, it says, Apana samsutim nama vivashogranan and that means that there's no difference at all between Krishna and his names. There are many other verses that describe how Krishna and his name are the same. And this means that anyone can take advantage of the process of Sankirtan. No matter where you are, you can be a person who lives in a in the country or in the city, you may live alone or with many people, you may be rich or poor, doesn't matter what background you're from, it's a non-sectarian process. Anyone can chant Hare Krishna. It's nice if you get a few friends together and 
You can clap your hands or you can play musical instruments if you have the wherewithal to do that. And you'll find that the result is the same. And that is whoever participates in this activity will feel natural happiness coming from the spiritual level of life, the spiritual platform of life. What's more, there are collateral benefits. One is that we gain detachment from the world. That is a sense of perspective that allows us to give up bad habits. Anybody ever try to give up bad habits? You don't notice till you try to give them up, that they're so strong, right? But when you practice Samkirtan, you'll notice that you have some inner strength that you might not have felt before. That comes from the divine. It comes from Krishna. So that's good, right? Say yes. And then you also get knowledge. Knowledge is a concomitant benefit that you get from chanting Hare Krishna. So what does knowledge mean? It's stated by Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita. Shetra gnam chapimam vidhi sarva shetri shubharata shetra shetra gnayogyanam yatach gyanam matamamai. Krishna gives his definition of knowledge. Would you like to hear it? He said, one who knows the difference between the field and the knower of the field is somebody who's in true knowledge. The body is the field, we're the knower of the field. How often do you think about that in, a give, in any given day, 24-hour period? Do you notice the difference between yourself and your body? Approximately how long? Do you, how many times do you think about it? All day long? Once or twice? Twice during the day? Can you skip a day and forget about it? Skip a week? Skip a month? Skip a year? How about a decade? How about a lifetime? Then you have to start over again. And so Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita says, yang yang vapi smaran bhavam yante kalevam. When, when you give up the body and you're no longer in control of your faculties, you're handed over to the system of material nature. It's very powerful. And we're carried away to our next destination depending on the kind of consciousness we've developed. So... The kirtan helps us to develop the higher consciousness. You don't have to do anything separately. You don't have to sit on a mountaintop or you don't have to drill your respiration. Nothing wrong with these things. But everything good comes from the process of chanting Hare Krishna, including knowledge and unattachment to bad habits. Before I take up the, tonight's subject matter, which happens to be Krishna consciousness. I offer my respects to my guru, His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, and to all the previous teachers who have passed down the teachings of Lord Krishna from the beginning of creation. And I offer my respects to all of you. Thank you very much for your sincere practice of Krishna consciousness and for coming here tonight and filling up these uh, four walls with transcendental sound vibration. Any place that we go in the world is transformable. Actually, the whole material world is like an iceberg floating in an ocean of transcendental substance. It's uh, in a temporary state of 
being frozen and misused by uh, wrong intent and therefore uh, what is normally free spirit becomes um, <coughs> a clunky kind of energy full of ignorance and so our minds also become like that called Jada Buddhi the mind becomes connected to the darkness of the material world and also becomes dark so Krishna consciousness means to come towards the light this is the admonition of the ancient Vedic teachings is that try to go to the light and uh, try to again enter into that free world where we're not bound to the, the laws of nature and uh, restricted so we can transform anything in our lives through the process of Krishna consciousness just as if you take an iron bar and you put it into hot fire and you keep it there for a long time keep the fire going then after some time that iron transforms into fire becomes red hot you can't see the difference between the fire and the iron bar when it's in the fire so whatever we have in our, in our lives if we engage it in Krishna's service to the process of Krishna consciousness as taught to us by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu mostly recorded in the Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita he taught his various disciples meticulously for instance Sanatana Goswami and Rupa Goswami uh, the, the teachings that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave are recorded and you can go through them, they're systematic. They talk about the way that we can start devotional service, the way we can maintain it, and also describes what the goal is. And one of the very simple principles is based on this using whatever we have in Krishna's service. So we need, first of all, or it's extremely helpful to develop a understanding of our relationship with Krishna and one of the aspects that is easily accessible by thinking about it and noticing how our lives go from the very beginning when we're in the womb until we leave this body that we're maintained we're being maintained this is a major point in devotional service. In fact, it's one of the main elements of being able to connect with Krishna and to be able to take shelter of him. There's a path of, called Sharanagati, which means the, the sixfold path of taking shelter of Krishna. And this aspect of taking shelter of Krishna is in contemplating, first of all, how I'm being maintained by him. So one of the very old literatures from the Vedas says, Nityo Nityanam Chaitanas Chaitananam Eko Bahunam Yo Kaman. So first of all, it's, this is an important verse because it establishes that there is a plurality of eternal beings. And in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Natve Vahum Jatunasam Natvam Nemi Janadipa. 
na chaiva na vishama sarve vayam ataparam. He's pointing out to his student, Arjuna, uh, that all the living beings, the way you see them now as individuals on the battlefield of Krukshetra, will remain individuals, whether they're in this body or another body. It doesn't matter where they go. They're still individuals. So this is what the ancient Upanishad is saying, nityanam, means there's, there's a plurality of eternals. So just take an, a moment to notice that you're an individual. You can check it out. You've got a body, and you have uh, individual consciousness right now because you're aware of your body, but I'm not aware of your body. In fact, somebody probably in the other room maybe just you know, stepped on a, on a garbanzo bean that's a chickpea, hard one, and it you know hurt their foot, but it doesn't hurt me because I'm not aware of their body, I'm just aware of mine. I have an individual uh, realm and awareness. However, there's another individual being that's super conscious. I'm conscious, the other being is super conscious. He's conscious of everyone's stepping on a chickpea. I'm not. Only mine. And so, nityo nityanam, chetanas chetananam. They're all conscious. We're all conscious beings, but one's supremely conscious, and we have a limited realm of consciousness. Now, the other part of it is, is that that supreme consciousness is maintaining all the individual living beings, the plurality of living beings. And this is where we can notice that we're being maintained. So if you'll look up in the Bhagavatam on 7920, we'll just have a look at a verse that is, happens to be spoken by Prahlad Maharaj, where he says, Yasminyato yarhiyena cha yastya yasmad, yasmayata yad uta yas." Twapara paruva, bhava koroti vikoroti pratakshabhava, sanchoditas tadakilam bhavatakshvarupam. And the translation is, my dear Lord, he's speaking to Lord Nishingadev, the half-man, half-lion incarnation who came to save this pure devotee boy. He was five years old when he spoke this. Everyone in this material world is under the modes of material nature, being influenced by goodness, passion, and ignorance. Everyone from the greatest personality, Lord Brahma, down to the small ant, works under the influence of these modes. Therefore, everyone in this material world is influenced by your energy. The, ca the cause for which they work, the place where they work, the time when they work, the matter due to which they work, the goal of life they have considered final, and the process for obtaining this goal all are, but, all are nothing but manifestations of your energy. Indeed, since the energy and the energetic are identical, all of them are but manifestations of you. So it doesn't mean that we're the same as Krishna. Uh, we're simultaneously one and different. The way that a particle of sunshine, a photon, is the sun, but it's only a part of the sun, but at the same time, it's called the sun, if a sun ray comes through the window, you say, oh, the sun has come in, but it's not the whole sun. It's part of it. 
So we're similarly parts and parcels. And the point of this verse, and the reason I brought it up is, I always find it fascinating to consider that whatever engagement we have, the work we have, the paycheck that comes in, does it, the paycheck come in? You notice that, right? The paycheck comes in. <laughs> even know the color of the envelope. You can smell it when it comes to the door. Ah, that's it. And so all of that is Krishna's energy. It's, it's connected to Krishna, and it's coming from Krishna. So this is a step in developing awareness that everything I have, everything that uh, is around me, is actually Krishna in one way, because the energy and the energetic are non-different. And whatever kind of situations I have in my life are due to different combinations and permutations of Krishna's energies. So we're always with Krishna. Krishna's always with us. We're never, ever separated. And every situation in our life uh, is reasonable in the sense that there's, there's an exact cause for it. Where I am now, what I have, what I don't have, all this is uh, a matter of the divine energy of the Lord moving in my life and me being moved by that divine energy. So in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, for example, gunamayi, mamamaya duratiya. He says that, that this energy that you're dealing with, consisting of the combinations and permutations of the modalities, goodness, passion, and ignorance, sattva, rajas, and tamas, he calls it daiva. It's divine because it's, it's Krishna's energy. And he says, it's very difficult to overcome or to deal with. Have you found that to be true in any, to any degree? A little bit? Just a little bit, right? Not very much? It's pretty much easy most of the time. Yeah, so he says, it's very difficult to manage this energy. It's divine energy, and it's difficult to overcome. He suggests that the, the only way to actually overcome the influence of the energy is, is, is take shelter of me, become aware of me, take to Krishna consciousness, employ this process of Krishna consciousness in your life. Then taranti, you can cross beyond the, the dualities of this world and the, and the trouble that comes with it. Okay, enough for trouble. Let's talk about the actual process. So, well, let's talk a little bit more about Krishna's maintenance. We know that we have various gifts that we are given uh, by nature. What are some of the gifts that you naturally have when you come out of the womb? Air. air. You get free air. Except maybe in Delhi or Shanghai. Huh? What? China. I said Shanghai. Yeah. Okay. Um, what do you get free? Like, you know when you buy a car? Did anybody here ever buy a car? Yeah? Do they, do they tell you all the extras they're throwing in? Did they give you the, the undercoating? For free, I hope, right? The, <laughs> no? <laughs> Had to pay for that. Uh, what, do you, what do you get standard on it? Air conditioning, windows. electric windows, anything else? Tires. tires, free tires. So what comes standard on the human body? 
Name a few things. I'll help you out. Okay, good. You're doing good. Free. It's thrown in free. It's standard equipment. So you get all this stuff. So is it mine? No, it's not mine. It's a gift. In fact, my very life is a gift. My consciousness is a gift. I'm, the fact that I'm, I'm living, I'm being maintained by higher force. This is Krishna consciousness, very simply. It's non-sectarian. It has to do with an awareness that I'm not the supreme controller. There is a God and I'm not him. And that I'm being maintained. So Krishna, in speaking to his friends one day in Vrindavan, said, He gave this advice that is for everybody. You want to hear some advice directly from Krishna? Yeah. While he's walking in Vrindavan with his friends? that you can apply in your life and you'll be happy all the time? Yes. Sorry, we're running out of time, can't tell you. Okay, so the way it goes, He says, uh, you should use your life, all your activities, how always, in all cases, all circumstances, if you want to have perfection, in your life, then you should use it to do good for others. Now, he gives the different categories of gifts that you've, we've all been given to one degree or another that we can use. He suggests you, you there's, the, here are some of the assets that you should use for the benefit of others, to do good for others. Are you ready? Okay, so he says pranayar means your life. You should use your life. What's your life? It's your ability to move around and breathe and uh, you're, you're a conscious living being. You have free choice. You can use your life, which is a gift, to do good for others. How does that sit with you? It's okay? Not bad? You're okay so far? Okay. Next one. Artar means money, cash. Gold, you know, any wealth that comes to us. Did any wealth ever come to you? A little bit? Okay. A lot? Yeah? See me after. Pranar uh, <laughs> artar. Too much? Really see me afterwards. Okay. Pranar artar means wealth. You get arta. You get some wealth that comes. Does everybody get wealth? No. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu once told his followers just after Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas. Sannyas means that you just step away from everything and depend on Krishna fully. And so he invited his followers to come with him on a, on a walking journey. And then after they were a mile away uh, from the town, he turned around and said, did any of you bring anything with you? And they said, no, we, you didn't tell us to bring anything, so we didn't bring anything. That's very good. I want you to look in the world and notice one thing. He said, the Lord has filled up the world with food and money, but people can only get what they deserve. Have you noticed that? Otherwise, everyone in Silicon Valley would be a multimillionaire, right? But you only get a certain amount. It's like, why doesn't it go above this amount? It's like, could I have this amount as an income? It's like, no, we're going to give you this. <laughs> so... 
your wealth, it comes as a stipend from material nature. We're given a little stipend. Because somebody could look that word up and see if I'm using it in an appropriate way. We're allotted a certain amount of wealth that comes into our life. And so Krishna says, use that to do good for others. Pranar, your life. Artar, dhya. Dhya means your intelligence. So where does your intelligence come from? Krishna. Where does Krishna say that in the Bhagavad Gita? You tell me and we'll sing the song. 1515. So in this verse, Krishna says that I'm in everyone's heart, and from me comes remembrance, knowledge, and forgetfulness. So the intelligence that we get to do anything in this world, to write a paper, to drive your car, to wake up in the morning, to make uh, idli. <laughs> takes a lot of intelligence to make idli. It doesn't just happen by itself. That, comes, that power is coming from Krishna. He's giving the intelligence. So Krishna says, dhya, use that dhya for shreya acharanam. Archadanam Sada. Always use your intelligence to think how to do good for others. And then vacha, the last thing. What does it mean? A stipend means a fixed regular sum paid as a salary or allowance. Yeah. Where does it come from? It comes from Latin. So stips and pendre, which means wages to pay. And then um, it turned to stipendium and now um, stipend comes now from late middle English. Okay. We get wages. Uh, Nardamuni mentions this. He says tasyaivaheto prayate takovido nalabyate yad brahmatam muparyada talabyate dukavaranyata sukam kalena sarvatra kabira rambhasa. He mentions this principle that kalena sarvatra kabira rambhasa what you're getting your, let's talk about arta, your wealth, it's coming as a kind of stipend, a wage. It's kind of like Social Security. We have that in America. Have you heard of it? Yeah. You have? Okay. So Social Security, I know you're all kind of young, you know. Uh, you don't get it till later. So Social Security, you pay into it when you're working, and then later on, according to how much you paid in, that's how much, how much you get back in your Social Security check. And um, I don't get much because I never really worked in my, <laughs> I didn't have a job uh, except for this, mostly. I had a business for 10 years, but I didn't pay in a lot throughout my life. So I don't get a, a large Social Security payment, uh, but other people get a much larger one because they paid into it. So and similarly, in, in our ARTA, our wealth, if you paid in a lot, in a previous life, then through the cosmic social security system. In your next life, you get a stipend. And that's your stipend given to you by the universal government. And if you go ask for more, they'll say, why? You didn't pay in. So the Kalena Sarvata Gabira Rambasa, 
you know, in due course of time, you're going to get your stipend. It's already there. I mean, they practically force you to take Social Security and Medicare and all that kind of stuff. They keep writing you and saying, um, you know, sign on, sign on, it's a, take it, you know, and so forth. So this is, a, 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 we get, according to our previous activities, a certain amount of arta. So Krishna says, use that, Shreya Ashranam Sada, use that as a way to do good for others. And then he says, that if you do that, itavaj evasampalyam, then your life will become perfect by this simple formula. So this really encapsulates the process of Krishna consciousness. We have assets that are allotted to us, that have been given to us as a gift, our very life, our wealth, our intelligence, and our words. Uh, human tongue is very important. It's not like other tongues. This is mentioned in the Chaitanya Bhagavat that there are other animals that have tongues. For instance, the the parrot has a tongue, but it doesn't, unless you really train it up, the, the Vishnu Sahasranam Stotram, maybe the first half of the line or something like that. And probably not really clear on what it means. Uh, there are other animals, hundreds of thousands, and they have tongues, but they're not able to enunciate and say mantras or say prayers, meaningful prayers. So they're also not so equipped for using language in such a way as to do good for others. So here's our realm. We have a gift in human life that we can become aware of and we can also use to serve and to do good for others. So I'll say the verse again. Always do this. Krishna told his friends, and he meant it according to the acharyas who comment on his words for everybody, for all of us. So this is what we do here at the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. We organize our assets that we have. What are they? Number one? Life. You got your life. Number two? Wealth. Number three? Intelligence and? And words. If you use these in such a way as to do good for others, then you'll, your life will become happy and successful, productive, perfect, according to Krishna. Now, one more point. <clears throat> what does it mean to do good for others? If I just make it up, invent ways to do good for others without understanding actually of what's the best thing to do for people, I might make a mistake. For instance, sometimes, well, I'll tell a story. Srila Prabhupada, our founder, Acharya, my guru, had said one time in his neighborhood, he heard some commotion going on at the neighbor's house, and he asked his servant what happened, because everyone was talking about it, and it turned out that one of the boys in the household had um, become sick. And the doctor had said, don't give him any solid food because it can make him sicker. So the young uh, 
younger brother, after the parents had left, thought that he would do a compassionate act by giving some solid food to his older brother. Ill-advisedly, he did it, and the brother got sicker. And then the mother was scolding the, the youngest one uh, severely, but he did a good thing. He was trying to help. So we're advised, that's passive voice, but the Shastra's advice, that we find out how to do good for others, then you've really got something. You've got the assets, to whatever degree you have them, and you've also got a target, a way to do good for others that's recommended, specifically recommended by the infallible uh, guidance of Shastra, which means the scriptures, those, uh, that advice which is passed down from Krishna and those who are beyond the, the defects of the material world. So if you put those two things together, then you really have, with pinpointed accuracy, a way to move about in the world and be completely successful. Now, there was a seminar that took place at Naimasharanya, which happens to be, according to the Srimad Bhagavatam, the very center of our universe. We're in the middle, actually. We're in a middle planet. Uh, ground floor, actually. There's a basement, and then there's upper floors. So we just happen to be on the ground floor, which is good, because from the ground floor of a building, you can actually get out. You may have a penthouse, but if there's a fire or something like that, it's really hard to get out of there. And in lower, you have to come up. Right here, we got the exit door uh, really close to us. This earth, earthly region really is, it's not too nice, in case you haven't noticed. And it's not that bad either, because we're in California. So we, we have this sort of mixture of good and bad. We're right in the middle. It's a, it's a middle place. You can try to make it a little bit better. You can move down to, I don't know, Carpinteria and uh, Santa Barbara. It doesn't get much better in the Bay Area, though, actually, uh, except now there's no rain. Uh, the material world, especially in you know, this middle region, there's always some, some defect. That's to keep us on our toes. So uh, at Naima Sharanya, which is the the very center place of the universe, uh, a group of sages held a seminar 5,000 years ago. And they discussed this very topic that we're talking about tonight. And would you like to hear the results of the seminar? Okay. So there was a, there was a facilitator at the seminar. And he asked the main speaker to talk about What's the best thing you can do for everybody? So they can, f they can be benefited in the best way. Isn't that a good question? It's a good seminar, right? What can we do so that everyone gets the highest benefit? And they came up with an answer. Savai pumsam paro dharmo yato And that is to give people an opportunity to practice devotional service and in a way that's uninterrupted and unmotivated. It means you're not asking for anything in return. You're not teaching people that if you worship the Supreme, then you're going to get a new car and don't ask for material things. Uh, just serve out of a sense of love. That's the highest motivation for it. 
And if you do that and you organize your life so that you can do that all the time, in other words, you can connect it with the other work that you have to do in the world to stay alive and you can do it wherever you go at all times, he said, then you'll be happy. And that's how to make other people happy also. So now you have these two concepts. One is a direct order from Krishna that says, use these assets that you have. By the way, they're not even ours. They're just loaned to us for a little while. If you use them preemptively now while you have the opportunity, and you use them to do the, uh, the highest, make the highest benefit in everyone's life that you possibly can by using them uh, to help people uh, become spiritually aware and come to their natural state of consciousness we call Krishna consciousness, awareness that we're maintained by the Supreme Personality of Godhead and that he's our ever well-wisher, that whatever we do in life, if we do it for him, then we'll feel satisfied and that he's our best friend and that he owns everything. If we, if we instill this in people through a culture and through systematically teaching, then you're doing the highest good for all people. So these two concepts go together, and that's what our Krishna consciousness movement is. What do you think? Is that doable? I'm not convinced. Okay, now I'm a little convinced. So let's see if there's any reflections or questions. Since everybody agreed, you might not have any. Except for, like, how do I sign up? Do you want to reflect back? Anything that you heard so far? Yes. Maharaj, you were talking about how um, Maya is very difficult to work with. And, and when you were discussing that, it, it suddenly, I, you know, when we go visit friends, especially in India, a lot of them have dogs. So if you try to open that gate and you hear them, oh, you're like, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm not going anywhere near. But if the owner comes out and calls the dog, and gives it a chance to get to know you, then you're welcome into the space. And I was thinking that sometimes it's like that with Maya too. Like if you want to enter, she's that strong because she's protecting the fortress. But if you ask the owner to come out, and oh, that's nice. Hold her down, it's a lot yeah, thank you. So we should call out when we chant. Please let me in. I'm, I'm your servant, Bali Prabhu. Hare Krishna. I like your point very much about the, the quota and stipend. You are entitled to get either this one. I know uh, there was a room conversation with Prabhupada uh, stating that one Baba, means sadhus in India, how he can manipulate your karma, means your quota, which is supposed to be getting in, let's say, in 20 years later or next life. So he has the tricks to bring you back to the now. But that doesn't mean that anything extra you are getting, you are just availing it instead of getting it after some year. Now those things, so somehow they have a manipulative path to do that one. So Prabhupada saying, bottom line is, what you are supposed to get it, you are getting it, it is just the manipulations of the results of your karma. But ultimately if you look into the span of your whole life, you have to come to the stage. So, so why like is it that you like that principle? You noticed that you liked it. What is it you like about it? Well, that you're I on a, we're all on a fixed income. Go ahead, Prabhu. Yes, I like it very much because we should not um, aspire too much because Narad Muni says we have to go for the upper varga gachati, right? Not 
पा मीन्स यू नो पा वर्ग पा भावमा परिश्रम फल बबया भय एंड मृत्यु सो अननेसेसरीली वॉट इज द नीड ऑफ एक्स्ट्रा एंड एवर यू कैन वर्क फोर आवर्स सिक्स आवर्स यू आर एंटाइटल टू गेट दैट मंच एंड रिमेनिंग यू शुड डेडिकेट फॉर गॉड सर्विस दैट इज इम्पोर्टेंट थैंक यू प्रभु मे आई प्रपोज एन एक्सेप्शन एंड सी इफ इट कुड बी ऑथोराइज लेट्स जस्ट से समन टेक्स इट एज देर सर्विस to work a little harder to give more uh to serve and so they they lean in a little harder to working but their whole motivation is that they want to um have a breakthrough and earn a lot of uh extra arta so that they can use it to spread krishna consciousness how do you feel about that he's i'm giving it getting a th- for the record i'm getting a thumbs up from bali prabhu of course we have to distinguish uh, uh, study our motive because we we can uh, use this principle of using using things in krishna service and then think yeah that's for krishna kind of um and so there may be those that are um that's their service they're working hard harder because they want to establish something and you know use use the wealth that they get and so they're trying a little harder because maybe uh their allotments a little bigger and if they try a little harder they'll get something more yes maraj when we when we read the prabhupad leela amrita we get to a point in the very beginning when one of the devotees wanted to quit his job and stay and prabhupad tells him don't do that we need the money you keep working begin then give that money to krishna and then the other side there's prabhupad who was thinking his maharaj wanted him to go out there and preach and he thought let me earn all the money first and then i'll go out and preach but it never kind of worked out for him krishna only wanted him not the money he could bring so sometimes the the motive as you said it comes from a higher instruction to figure out if that is your job or not that was my thought maharaj yes and prabhupad mentions how he became uh, frustrated and that frustration uh led him to a certain direction in doing a service and that will happen for us also if it hasn't already happened to you that you felt frustrated in some ways in your life or had uh incidents in your life that's that seemed overwhelming often in those times we get uh an inner resolve to take more uh shelter of krishna and and look for his guidance in our life After all he's moving everything. Remember the verse we just read from Prahlad and Prahlad mentions that everything that's coming is Krishna's energy. So he might want something even as we're spreading Krishna consciousness and doing this work sincerely to try to do good for others by giving people spiritual knowledge and so forth. We may uh, be moved in a certain direction that we didn't think was the direction. and it might turn out well it will turn out eventually as we're watching that that was krishna's arrangement for us yes one two uh, hari krishna prabhu hari krishna. regarding this point that you were saying about um, you know working less versus working more i was thinking that um you know as we have heard before we have to do our own duty than doing the duty of someone else because guru and krishna knows how to use our abilities how to use the best of our abilities 
to improve in our spiritual life and thereby you know help the movement so you know for one person the guru might decide that he'll do good by becoming a full time preacher in the temple because that's what his natural proclivity is whereas for the other person it might be something else going out in the world and getting funds for temple or something so if we try to do the other thing it might not necessarily work out so so whatever you know the guru knows our nature as well so thank you was that covered under my exemption did i mention okay i want to make sure okay pavani bhakti hari krishna maharaj um i really like the point of um, giving an opportunity for everyone to practice devotional service i am looking for some advice tips or guidance on how do we give this opportunity to the co-workers because we spend more than like sometimes 10 hours a day with these people and there's a lot of compassion i have but i don't know the right thing how to engage them in devotional service An expert at that is uh, Shraddha Devi Dasi. She's really expert. The way she interacts with people in in her life and her work, she's always accommodating and goes out of her way to make sure that you know people um get things at at her work and then you know they a lot of them then become very open to helping. Uh spread Krishna consciousness later on because they just appreciate it and i've seen that with many devotees who have this awareness that every person they're talking to has potential that um this is the highest way of seeing people no matter what situation they're in at the present moment as remembering their potential in fact it said that the first consideration sometimes people have the, or the lowest percept uh, per perspective is that uh, we judge people according to their past and we say okay oh, this is what they did in the past that's who they are and then uh, a person with a higher perspective judges somebody according to their present position say okay forget the past this is how they are now but the highest perception of the most open-minded person the mahatma is that he or she sees a person according to his or her future potential you know that's all, all the best kinds of coaches managers and so forth <laughs> they have this kind of mood they see the spark and then they fan it and that's such a good analogy fan the spark that propad gave that if you if you do that with everyone whatever little opening you see you should fan the spark and of course in some cases when people don't want to have their spark fanned and uh, they're annoyed by it or not interested at all or averse to it then the best way to serve them is to not push them or engage not pushing in the first place but we don't not engaging them non-engagement that's what's recommended in the shrimad bhagavatam let them alone and uh, i've noticed in my life that people who are wholly uninterested oftentimes change their mind if we if we do leave them alone and set a good example i'll give you an example of that from personal experience we've been going down to litton plaza since what year was our first hari nam at litton plaza 
for 20 points, can you say? 2004. Thank you, Hansa Priyo, 2004. So 2004, we had our first Harinam Sankirtan. That means we went out publicly chanted at the Lytton Plaza. And soon after we started our chanting, which looks, looked way different than it does now. We have a kind of mini festival going on down there. We had stand-up kirtan at that time. And there was a gentleman, and he was an Indian gentleman. I remember the first time he saw us chanting, and he became more than annoyed. He was, it made him angry to see us there. And so he severely chastised us, and especially me, because I was singing. And you know, he yelled at me. It's like, what are you doing? Go away. You shouldn't be doing this, and so forth. And all the devotees were very gentle and humble towards him. They didn't react or, uh, in any averse way. And then he did it again. We went out there on a regular basis, maybe once a month. And every time we saw him, I noticed that his chastisement became a little less vehement. And we just smiled at him and, you know, appreciated him and went like this and everything like that. And it was about a year later when he'd see us every time. I don't know why he was down there every time we were. <laughs> but I saw him softening. It was visible. And then one night, you know, he came by. He kind of looked at us. I smiled at him in a wave like, you're our old friend. And he, he walked past, and then he turned around, and he came back, and he came over, and he gave me a big hug. And <laughs> and then he became like our best advocate. Want to hear another story? Okay. So I have a godbrother named Sarva Palma, and... We used to work together in the Chicago airport. Not as baggage handlers, but we uh, were pilots. We were distributing books because we had a, uh, an, open giving, uh, an opening given, us to, given to us by the Supreme Court of the, of the United States that we could practice our religion called Sankirtan, which also includes distributing transcendental literature to the public. And they ruled that the the airports were a public place. So put the two together. So <laughs> we used to go out every day to O'Hare Airport, many of us, and my godbrother Sarva Palma and I were, were out there together for several years, not in a row, but um, every day. And there was a, a worker out there who uh, had a uniform and he pushed a wheelchair and he really didn't like what we were doing for some reason. Some people just don't like it. Uh, so he used to try to interfere with Sarva Palma's uh, distribution of books. And the way he would do it was he would flick pennies at him. He would stand a distance away and he'd flick them really hard and they boom, they'd hit him. And then sometimes he'd slide them across the floor. So while Sarva Palma was introducing somebody to a book, they'd be talking, and all of a sudden, boom, penny hits, and hits on the floor. It, it's an odd kind of thing, and it sort of, people would look, what happened? So 
rather than becoming annoyed by being pelted with pennies, Sarvapalma, every time he got hit or one would slide into him, he would uh, go, thank you, and he'd pick it up and put it in his pocket. Thank you very much. Because <laughs> Sarva was thinking, you don't know what you're doing. You're giving this to Krishna, and that's a be careful. And that went on uh, for months and months and months. Similar result. One day, the guy came over. He was a gigantic man. He looked like a grizzly bear. He was so big. And he came over, and Sarva's very thin, and he gave him a big hug. And then one day, when Sarva was out there, someone was threatening Sarva with physical harm. He was like, okay, come on, right now I'm going to hit you. And this big guy came out of nowhere and he said, you're not touching my friend. And he stood right in front of him and protected him. For that day, he was Sarva's protector in that middle terminal. He used to work in what's called the rotunda, which was the uh, rotunda, which was the TWA in the middle of O'Hare Airport. And so, peop I forgot who asked the question. Yes, so if, if we just, uh, you know, take time, be patient with people, try to fan their spark, whatever it may be, then you notice over time, uh, people's hearts can change and they, they can become allies. Yes, Prabhu. Uh, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, Hi. Yeah. Um, my wife and I are actually our first time here. Welcome. Yeah. Um, thank you. We've been to uh, Iskon LA. Uh, the head, uh, I guess that's where Prabhupada um, declared the headquarters, I believe. But th this this temple is beautiful. It's our first time here. Um, we've been meaning to come, but because of COVID, it's not been possible. But now everything is being made possible slowly but surely. Hopefully, nothing has to close down due to any kind of variant. Um, because this is just a wonderful group of devotees. This is amazing. The kirtan was amazing. Um, I really enjoyed it. I had a couple questions. One was um, regarding regarding the money. Um, so basically what you're trying to say is that we need to earn money to sustain the family and to pay our bills, but whatever's extra should be utilized to donate to the temple and to propagate Krishna consciousness as far as we can take it, correct? Is that, is that what you were trying to say? Slight nuance, if I may. Sure. It's not what necessarily what's left over, but, okay, there's, a, there's an old book about financial planning. It's one of the smallest books you'll ever read. It's called The Richest Man in Babylon. And it's all about how to develop your wealth. And so the formula in the book is that you should pay yourself first. How much? 10% of your gross income. And if you don't have enough to put away, you should either earn more money or spend less, but put away 10%. And if you do that over time, invest it, and then compound an interest, over some time you'll be wealthy. So that's taking out of your gross. It's not waiting till it's left over. So in the similar way, you should pay Krishna first. So before you pay even yourself, pay the self of yourself. Atmanam akilatmanam. Krishna is the self of ourselves. So it means take the 10% out first, then pay yourself 10% from that, and then, or it doesn't have to be 10%, it can be a lot more. Uh, to pay Krishna, you can give everything. 
But that's the point. Take it out. Sure. Yeah. So it's only right to pay Krishna first because he's the source of everything. So it's, o- it's, it's only right. It's only right. Okay, so that's, that was my first question. The second is, this, the t- this temple is open on Saturday and Sunday now? Yes, Saturday and Sunday and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, the hours you have to check on now for Darshan, th- mm. not open now. And the weekdays? Saturday, Sunday, yes. Saturday, uh, we're Sunday. gradually opening up for COVID. Okay, and then my final question, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to, to pester you. My final question uh, was, uh, what do we have to do so that upon death, when we die, because we all die, we don't have to reincarnate in this universe, but instead we can leave this body and then join Krishna beyond in, 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 the, highest, in the highest world. What do we have to do in this lifetime? Think of Krishna. So practice thinking of Krishna throughout your life, and then you can think of him when you leave the world. And if you do that, then uh, Krishna says, and you'll come back to me. So this is all practice, practicing all the time. Well, we got the chance. Don't wait till it's too late. So we integrate it now. It wasn't pestering at all. It was really good questions, and Great. we're really happy you're here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Sure. Thank you.